Hey, folks, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Um, thank you for supporting these uh, Pride theme episodes that I've been doing. And with me, I have another guest. But before we get into our conversation, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and like it on Spotify. And make sure to share and review the podcast. Um, all right, John Chris, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm John Chris Ward, um, actor, director, yes. um, playwright, ooh, award-winning playwright. Oh. That's a new, that's, right? Award-winning from where? It was, I was awarded at the University of oh. Montevallo. Oh. And it was just like. I didn't know this. It was really just out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting it. It was just like because Corona came in, and so they did like these end of the year uh-huh. senior award type deals, and here I was, look up, and I was like, oh, okay, well here I am, and I'm adding that to everything on my resume, award winning. Thank you. Yeah, claim the name. Claim the manifestation. <laughs> claim that the name. That is what I'm always on, and I am a true believer in it commit to it, throw the idea out there, and go for it. Yeah. Um, and so, okay, are have you graduated yet? Or... I have not. I will be graduating in December. December. twenty. Okay. I will be out of here. Yeah. I'm so excited. Um, what, what are your plans after graduation? My plans, they're still changing. Okay, I feel they're that. They're still just moving but my one of my original plans was to move to atlanta because atlanta does have a bigger market for black theater yeah and specifically black queer theater yeah do you think that you it would be do you think it's a place to go for like budding artists or do you think you have to kind of like know folks to like get your foot in the door i think it's I think it's a mixture of both, mm-hmm. honestly, because I feel like, once again, I'm always on my manifest stuff, so honestly, I I look at obstacles in a really strange way. It's just like, I, I when I consider obstacles, I always think of them in the sense of like, how dare you get in my way? You know what I mean? Okay, I so like, like that. When I think about moving to Atlanta and starting there it's important to always have connections for people to you know it's always better to have strength in numbers yeah and to have a familiar face but also like if you were to go there and not know anyone i mean it's the perfect time to just start getting to know people yeah. because that's what business is at the root of it knowing people and getting to know people I, f- I feel like I'm going to have a lot to talk to you about after this podcast because I've been really wanting to get more into theater um, from a, like, production side and also from a playwriting side. Um, and I've been really wanting to find a community to collab with. And here you are, right in front of me, ready to go. So... <laughs> um, Locked and ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... John, Chris, and I were in a fraternity, a white fraternity together, um, and 
yeah, what, how, how would you describe <laughs> your fraternity experience? <laughs> I, 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 first off, when anyone ever finds out that I'm in a, a white fraternity, yeah, they're always like, always so taken aback. But it's like, what we did at the Mu Phi chapter, what we're still doing in it, the Mu Phi chapter is a very mm-hmm. unique experience. Yeah. Yeah. So the experience that I had being Greek, because you were my first president. Oh, was I? Okay. So that's yeah. what I came in under. And you set a very important pattern that continues to go on. We've only had black presidents since. Oh, shit. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that uh that blood oath I took worked. <laughs> it had to, it had to it had to do something. <laughs> and we like what's really special about our individual specific chapter mm-hmm. is that not only we don't have a lot of times you can bump into other black men or other African-Americans that have joined white Greek organizations and they're just really there for tokenism, if we're being quite honest. Yeah. But when it comes to our chapter, it became, we, we weren't, we were never, I was never made to feel like a token. Yeah. Cause, whatsoever, cause because our, there was such a large yeah. population of black men. Yeah. Yeah, there were, yeah, I would say we, yeah, it was either made up most, we were either half or a little bit over the majority. No, actually, no. We were were close to half of the, um, I guess, makeup, racial makeup of the chapter. And there was a lot of black gay men um, as well in our chapter. So mm-hmm. there was instant community there. Um, for me, at least, like when, like Will graduated, um, like I didn't really. Who I love and adore. You said what? Who I love and adore. Yeah. I love Will Henry. Yeah, he's great. Um, when when he graduated, like you know, that was like my first friend in the chapter, and then I didn't really like. I didn't really hang out with the new folks because I was ready to graduate. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of like, I don't know how things are now, like with your experience. Like, I don't know if you've felt like that loss of community or will you be that like loss of community for someone? But like loss of community within the chapter, though, not like within like life, of course. Yeah, how 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 were things when you were like as you were like preparing to graduate? Like, how is it as far as like just the the community of Black folks in our chapter? It's honestly been on just a steady increase. Okay. Because when I think about when I first got in, not only were were there Black people represented in just like the number of brothers. Yeah. But the black brothers were also in power positions. Mm. President, historian, you know, pledge educator. All of these had Ooh. positions. 
Well, and girl, so what I came into was the fact of the matter that, you know, here, not only are you welcome, but you're welcome to succeed. Well, girl, so it was it wasn't like that. Like when 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 the chapter first started, um, and I'm so glad that you didn't experience what some of the other uh, uh, black brothers did. Um, well, you still I'm not saying that you didn't experience racism, but the level like. The power dynamics of our fraternity when it was first being established um, was very, very toxic and white. Um, I can see that. Yeah, it was. It was not a. We had. I, I we had to fight. <laughs> we had to fight, and I'm I'm so happy to hear that things are still like as far as like the community amongst the black members i'm 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 so happy to hear that you know it's it's growing stronger because i think that's important especially in a place like a small quote unquote liberal town like montevallo like mm-hmm. i think that's just very important for black people to have community in those kind of spaces you know yeah like most definitely like the experience that I've had with our brotherhood has just been like, it it was not what I expected whatsoever. Yeah. Like the examples that were set for me, the expectations that were set for me and then to come in and, you know, of course look down and see other, see myself in other brothers that were coming up behind me. Mm -hmm. Of course, I have to follow in that tradition of setting high standards for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And always making sure that they have that space. And I also think that it's it's really, I think it's really cool that we've gotten to a spot where we can now openly talk about race yeah. and our problems with and sexuality with our yeah. brothers that aren't black. And sexuality, yeah. That was yes. always things that I could, I could, or when I was there, those were things that were, sometimes it was used to uh, promote Bernie Sanders. Um, um, And then sometimes, you know, it was honest conversations of like trying to, for, with some, with some brothers trying to actually understand our experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how's how's Corona treating you? It's it's I'm starting to look at coronavirus. It's been so long. This quarantine has been way longer than we've expected. And now after going through the phases of like fear, stir crazy, now I'm starting to look at it and, and find those silver lining moments. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm taking the opportunity to look. Honestly, it's it's gonna sound I'm on my hippy dippy shit, <laughs> but like to take the time to like look up at the sky, yeah, and look around and just realize how beautiful and just feel the the breeze, feel mm-hmm. the sun on your skin. Take those moments mm-hmm. and not be rushed about it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then, like, also having the, the opportunity, there's so much space and time, and we don't know how long we're going to have the space and time where we can be isolated, and now we can start these projects that we've been putting off. Yeah. We can finally go there yeah. and, you know, have deeper conversations with ourselves mm-hmm. and, and be true to our art and just have that experience, sharpen our craft and open ourselves up. Yeah, I I definitely have been feeling that. Um, like I told you earlier, I, I would... If if there wasn't a pandemic going on, I would I would usually just be at home on my laptop or watching TV. Um, so as far as like the actual like living with like staying at home and stuff like that, like I'm that's not foreign to me. And it it does before it did before it scared like it scared me um, just because j- just hearing the the pandemic and stuff now that i see that people here at least aren't taking it serious and like mm-hmm. are opening restaurants up opening parks up and saying like um we advise you to sanitize the park before using it <laughs> um and yeah now that i see that this that people they're opening up they're opening it up and not like really taking safety precautions I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to stay at home and I'm just going to, you know, ride this out. I'm going to do, I'm going to try to do my next few terms uh, of grad school online. I'm I'm really going to just like milk this out. I love staying at home. I, lo- I, I feel like there's so many opportunities now. You know what I mean? Yeah. For, cause it's just been, I've been able to podcast more. I've been like reaching out to people to to like do interviews with like before I I was wanting to do these guest interviews and things but I was like how would I do it and literally mm-hmm. all I needed to do was just do it through Skype do it through um Zoom you know and I for some reason because of you know just the like being on the on the go all the time with like with grad school and then just with just um like going out in general being on the go like it kept me from even just taking five minutes to even figure out like Jalen you can you can record a guest through Skype and so like this this has just been a very creatively productive time for me and I have a totally new outlook on like my relationship to graduate school like I'm not gonna let it stress me out and it's gonna be like on the uh, like it's gonna be on the bottom of my priority list in terms yeah. of stressing me out. It's I I just I can't allow it to stress me out anymore. Yeah, I think like I I definitely feel where you're coming from. I I wholeheartedly one hundred percent yes. Like there's been a mindset a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. And I like, and it's all across the board. Like for me, it was coming to this realization <laughs> that like the world is, it's huge. Mm-hmm. And we, I don't know what's in the future. I don't, mm-hmm. but doing my best 
to be concerned about other people outside of me. Yeah. And like taking that same dedication, not just like in my personal life, but like in my work mm-hmm. everywhere. When I leave here, because I'm already here, mm-hmm. you know, what the world has given me, has affected me by, has already happened to me. What I'm in the business of is trying to make that, this experience better for the people that are coming after me. Mm. Because I'm already here. I've already done it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some classic shit. All right, John Chris, you have a song for this segment. What is the song that you decided to use? And then what is um, like a few lyrics that stood out to you from it? It's technically not a classic, but I feel like <laughs> it's definitely going to be a future classic. Yeah. Because it's Black Parade by Beyonce. Mm-hmm. It just dropped yesterday. Whole surprise attack because why not in Beyonce nature? Yeah. And like... It's just a love letter. It's a love letter to Black America. Mm. In the same vein of, like, Homecoming. In the same vein of, like, her newer projects. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like the Lion King album, too. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely feels like like just a, a, a hug. Like, I haven't had the time to, like, go in and break it down lyrically mm-hmm. as much as I want to. Yeah. But just, like, it on the surface level is already, like, so much. It's such a fruit-filled, you know, pasture. So what are, like, what are, what are like, a few lyrics that kind of, like, stand out to you that make you, like, like this song? The first part really got me. Okay. She comes in and she's talking about going back to the South where her roots are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And I feel like on the surface level, that's like, oh, okay, my daddy, my daddy, Alabama, you know, yeah. my mama, Louisiana. But if we take that to, you know, broader extremes and we just compare that to everyday black America, yeah, the roots in the South, mm-hmm. I automatically just thought of the context of slavery. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, dedication to our ancestors and always remembering that you know they were the first ones doing the fight that the privileges that we have the comforts that we have were at their neglect Mm. they were actively uncomfortable for us they were actively thinking of us they weren't thinking about themselves they were thinking about future generations hmm so that that hmm. that the fact that she starts with that yeah. the fact that she just welcomes us all back into that experience where she's like I know there's a tie we've all felt that come on in there's that open introduction welcome I'm going back to the south Yeah I haven't heard it yet I need to listen to it it's everything. I've been, I have, like, I'm working on her payroll. I have been suggesting it <laughs> to everyone that mm. I have bumped in today. Just been like, 
hello, have you listened to Black Parade by Beyonce? And then just and then just in terms of like not only you know going back to the South, our roots for our ancestors, but like our roots for this country, like is in the South. Definitely, like just. It's just like, it was just such a full statement, but such a simple statement uh, yeah. that there's so much to, to unpack. Go through. Yeah. 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 Our country. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was Black Parade by Beyonce, and I will definitely be listening to it. <laughs> Get into um, it. Get into it. Because yeah. it will definitely be on my playlist for everything. It, it will be probably, I'm speaking into the future right now, when I do my next show, it will be that, that preset music while we're coming in, getting yeah. in and <laughs> situated, finding our seats. Black Parade will be bumping. I feel that. No, I feel, you know. Okay. I gotta check it out. And that was some classic shit. All right, so let's get into the next segment where, so I wanted to talk about, I feel like this is a topic that I always kind of like talk about, but I want to talk about queer black men's relationship to straight black men and how... I guess I guess I'll just talk about like why I want to talk about this. Yes. So, <laughs> so, so here, uh, I, I in Oregon at, at the university, I read this like letter where this professor was um, talking about the Black Student Union at at, at Oregon and the Black Student Union. Um, was formed uh, in like 2014 to help bring, help hold the university accountable for how it treats black students and how it, and then like giving them a set of demands. And some of the demands were retaining, like hiring more black faculty members um, and a number of other things. But this professor was calling out the fact that the two black male leaders of the Black Student Union um, basically calling out their sexism. Um, one one black woman who was working with the uh, Black Student Task Force had to file like um, an equal opportunity statement thing for uh, discrimination. Um, they were... Um, ver- like I guess verbally attacking two queer um Latinx professors, um, and then the professor, uh, the black woman professor was saying like they won't be held accountable for this because of liberal, like because of white liberalism, and basically saying like the president of the university doesn't want to fire them because they don't want to be accused of being racist. Um, And she was like, you know, basically like this is, this is a black student group and the detriment of this group 
is at the hands of two black men. Um, and so she was basically like calling out like just just calling out like this just like masculinist like power authority kind of situation. Um, and so that's why I want to talk about this. And then another reason is just that like presumably straight black men are killing black trans women um, and have been for a while. Mm-hmm. But it's, 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 um, I, it, or at least I'm seeing it more or, I mean, but yeah, so it's like, so I come to these kind of like questions from thinking about like, what is our place as black queer men to hold them accountable? How do we hold them accountable? Like, and then like, then I also get a little weirded out because I'm like, well, am I like attack wanting to like, like, am I like attacking them through like, I don't know. So I'm trailing off now, but that's why I want to kind of like talk about this because you know, some folks would be like, Oh, you, why you, why are you actually, no, this actually happened to me on, on, on the Twitter. Um, on the Twitter. On the Twitter. Um, I was like, I was like saying like more black men need to like engage with black feminism. And then they were like, well, why, why do you hate black men? You're a black man yourself. And I was, and I'm just like, what? Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. So like, yo, how, what, what is, I guess, I guess you can, I guess we can start by talking about like, what's been your experience with like other black men's either homophobia or transphobia like have you experienced that have you yeah i've definitely experienced it because it we i think first off homophobia is just bred into the black community mm. It's something that's not spoken about. It's something that is so adamantly aggressive. It's it comes down to a lot of us life or death situations, whether we 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 come out or we don't. Mm. Yeah. And so that that basis that that base level fear is a lot of ways affects the relationships that we have, you know, between black queer people. And you know, black heteronormative, you know, complying people. Yeah. So there's always that, you know, just energy. Mm-hmm. There's always that between it. But when it comes to like facing it and just like outrightly, there's been multiple times where I've just been, you know, going going on a date and I'm holding hands. And I'm out in the streets, out and about, and I'm hearing people like yell from their cars. <laughs> and I'm like, what where is the disconnect yeah. where we stopped looking at each other and not seeing ourselves? Yeah. What about me do you look at and not see yourself in? Yeah. Because this this discrimination, we've all experienced it. 
from white America. And so to subject it to someone else baffles me. Because we understand the fight. We understand what we're fighting for when it comes to rights and liberties. But then there's all of a sudden this disconnect. Yeah. When it's not a black uh, uh, black man who... That's what I... That's I always say this. Black men are taught to hate themselves. Yes. Like, our, the way our society... The way we're socialized within our communities, uh, for some of us, uh, th- there's the general be a man stuff, but it's also layered on, you know, you you also have to be aware of your blackness. So not only so so then and then but then when when you get taught about blackness, you get taught that in order to engage to actually fully be black, you have to. Um, distancing yourself from anything feminine mm-hmm. your mother yes. your, your like just it, it teaches you the, the way the way that I feel like we get taught it, they teach it they teach it to us out of thinking you know and they they're getting this from you know their grandfathers and you know mm-hmm. all on up but it's like the way that they teach us is like you know trying to build i guess trying to instill confidence trying to build us up but instead like in telling like in telling us like oh no these are the boundaries around how you can express yourself that creates that creates like a lot of like not only confusion but just like pain and like just self resentment. yeah resentment and so like in this example you're talking about i i would really yeah where where does that disconnect come from maybe I, like yeah i just i just kind of like wonder like what gives i've always thought about this like what gives people the desire other black people the desire to call out my femininity what Patriarchy. what patriarchy yes but but what like why why act why why actively like engage with that to another like black man like why why do that is it to maintain this feeling of privilege in a society in which you really don't have any and the only privilege you have is being a man or like what yeah I certainly feel so, yeah. I feel like, because for a long time, and still to a lot of extent, our success is based off of how close to whiteness we can become. Hmm. And so we are always trying our, our best in a lot of ways to be acceptable to white gays. The, the white gaze, the white male gaze. Mm. Yeah. And we and there is no secret that, you know, at the root of white supremacy is patriarchy. Yeah. And that's what it all stems back to. Anything that is for me, I, I feel like the root of all of our problems, first off, is patriarchy. 
I, I just feel like mm. I, I wholeheartedly feel that patriarchy has caused so many problems. It is affecting us on a global scale. It's affecting us on a nationwide scale. It's it's affecting and, us on a personal. And level. when you say patriarchy, how do you define patriarchy? I define it as any time that males are looking at themselves as individuals that are greater than just because they are male. Mm. That's it. Yeah. That they are stronger, they are smarter, they are better. And I think that anything, I fully feel that anything that is in likeness to being female or feminine Mm-hmm. or womanly mm-hmm. woman like is seen as lesser than weaker than yeah and that's where the root of the conflict comes from yeah i agree so uh, when you like yeah. so it's just i don't know because like you it's it's one thing to you know we've all had the experience of having to Mm -hmm. and knowing other queer black people that pass better than some (laughs) and the privileges that they afford it versus those that simply cannot and yeah have to the like I I, yeah the secret is just already out there's no way of hiding it and therefore your body is and some people don't want it to be a secret yeah and 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 that yeah. and that is seen as more offensive than anything. Yeah. That you are not ashamed of who you are. Yeah. But it's like in terms of, you know, thinking about just connections with other black men. If you want me to be ashamed of myself, then what does that tell me about you? Are you ashamed of yourself too? Exactly. Because our blackness is always going, no matter how much you hate, you know, my queerness, our blackness, and first of all, black people are queer. And let's just get that out of the way. Like, even, like, we we are queer. Even, even, even when we do engage in, uh, even if you do engage in, in heterosexual um, lifestyle, black people are queer just inherently because we, we are not seen, we weren't, we weren't weren't considered human and we actually like reject what a what a human that white america says a human is like we we reject that so based on like just going like defying normativity black people have always and will always continue to do that but it's like it's like why 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 hate your like why hate me and why why don't you see that you and you hating me it damages you and it damages it it damages me and it damages you and mm-hmm. yeah just that I don't know. It's just frustrating because like the bond, like for the longest, I, because I experienced so much homophobia from, um, 
I feel like I experienced so much homophobia from black men in my family. I like basically went through this whole phase where I didn't want to be around like other black men. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, and, and I saw like in doing that, like I was like denying a part of my blackness. And because I entered this whole phase where I just wanted to hang out with white kids and like only wanted to date white men. And just like, just like the, the mental things, the, the mental and emotional things that were happening to me because I was running away from Mm -hmm. trying to associate with other black men because of my fear of of that. Oh, they're not going to like me because I'm gay. I, 100% 100% relate with that that same notion because when I, I think about when I was initially planning to go Greek my freshman year and my freshman year was a complete you know different time for me where I went out and just wanted to you know rebel yeah. and, and be liberated yeah. and so I was wearing a lot of like non-gender conforming clothes yeah I remember yeah, yeah. and so there was there was never anything said directly to me, but there was always, you know, a shift in energy that may have come from my own feeling of being ostracized. Hmm. But it was the the same effect. It was running away. It was, okay, I can't, I can't go through for these organizations. I've, I, I've already canceled that out of my brain. Hmm. That's where I can't go. And also at that time, for me, especially during my freshman year where it was like, I go to this PWI and there's a very small number of black people on campus in general, especially at that time in, what was it, 2016? Yeah, election year. Yeah, so we, like, at that time on campus, you could literally walk just anywhere and anytime that you saw a black person, you knew who they were. Not that you were friends, but we all knew each other. We all knew knew of each other by facial recognition. That's how less of us there were. Yeah. And it was trying to find that black community that I grew up in mm-hmm. and trying to find something like that. But it was also like the fear of if they reject me, you know, I'm not equipped for that. I'm not equipped for rejection mm. from people, from from my, my skin folk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because when I look at them, I'm looking directly at my family. Yeah. And I'm not ready to face that type of rejection. Yeah. It was one thing to... Not that I was like, I would rather sign up for, you know, microaggressions. But it was like, I know how to handle those microaggressions. I don't know how to oh. be, you know, distanced <laughs> and rejected from wow. my family unit. That ex- that ex- that really um, is insightful to me. Because I think that was my thought press- process, too, in joining um, a white fraternity. I, I, it was, I, yeah. I didn't actively seek out other... I didn't actively seek out... Um, like an MP, a MPHC organization. Um, 
And I think it was because I already had wrote myself off from even being welcomed in that environment. Yeah. Um, And I really wish... But then again, it's like we were doing we 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 were doing that to protect ourselves. We yeah we and we and and in all actuality, we don't really know how you know it would have it would have gone had we entered those spaces. Um, like we don't know if the if it would have been positive or negative. So we made a decision. And I mean, I still think, you know, we were talking earlier, like we are, we still found a way to find community with each other. We just had to do it in a, in a safe space (laughs) and we had Mm -hmm. to go and map out that space for ourselves. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think initially, I think I would have, I would have like to have been in a in a state of mind to where I I could have said you know what I I'm going to go join this this black organization because I want to be around other black men and I I wish I would have been in a space where I was like and it and it it won't matter that I'm gay that like they'll accept me anyway I wish I had that kind of mindset even if it did even if i would have experienced homophobia in that organization at least i would have i feel like i would have like it would have been it would have been helpful for me to just be in that community versus having to struggle to make the community yeah it was it's one thing to explain your experience and one thing to know the experience and fully just understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I feel like it's it's not that it's not possible. the The outcome, really, for fixing being the solution that I see is that it's it's pretty simple. Men have to be men have to hold other men more accountable. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's plain and simple. It's in the same way that we are asking our white counterparts to use their privilege to actively dismantle a system that they have living that that they have succeeded in and been a part in and have grown up in. I'm extending that same like th- to black men. Yeah. Taking that privilege and using it to actively dismantle a system that you are a part of have you know in some cases perpetuated yeah yeah taking that privilege and using it for something for for the good of the rest of us for the good of the whole yeah and i i i think another reason why i take issue with just when i hear about black men being shitty just to uh other black women other black people in general i don't think that one the black men who hold those patriarchal standards who don't see 
queer, like black queer people as black who don't see black trans people as black, um, mm-hmm. who who don't care about black women. Um, I I don't. They don't see that that is like a part of like this white supremacist society. Like it's still like you're not. That's not pro black. <laughs> That's like very like anti-black. It's extraordinarily anti-black, and what it does is that when you go in as you know this cisgender straight black man, you walk in and you're asking for your rights. How is it that you're asking for your rights and not including the the rest of us? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So what you're actively saying is my life is more important than yours. Because that's, I'm a, because I'm a man, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like with that energy, it's extraordinarily dangerous because you take this energy and you take it and you apply that to systematic racism, racism. You apply that to you know just oppression in general. Yeah. What happens is you've you're trying to exceed to this this top status to the top of the totem pole with white men. And you are leaving the rest of us down. And now what you're doing is making it okay for those oppressors to go after those black people that you don't see yourself in. Exactly. And that is still in itself racist. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like a lot of times for for some black men who I see support um, Trump, you don't see that you're just like a part of their fantasy that racism is over that slavery is over you're further helping like them believe a lie that is like killing people actively killing people actively yeah yeah so you say hold them you say hold them we we as black men need to hold other black men accountable how do we do that when some uh, cis straight black men just won't listen to us because we're gay or because we're, you know, not straight? Yeah, and that's what I meant by that was that not not us mm. because, you know, trans transphobia is not a trans thing. It's, it's not a trans yeah. problem. Yeah. Cisgendered men need to be held accountable by other cisgendered men. Men, okay. Okay. Yeah. Because it's no secret. It's never been a secret to men. And when I I say men, I mean that as, like, all men, racist creeds, uh, uh, queer, straight, black, white, all of us, trans men, all of us. What I mean is that we all know that we have a privilege. Yeah. Now, we might not understand... Some of us might not understand the intricacies Mm -hmm. of the hardships that women face on a daily basis, but we understand that we do not have those same hardships. Yeah. That's not a secret. Yeah. Yeah. So taking that energy and doing something with it, Taking that energy from cisgendered men, when you see your homeboys 
acting in this way that does not speak for you, that does not represent what you stand for, that does not represent the causes that you are going in these streets fighting for, you need to hold them accountable. Yeah. Is it uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But it's I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's my that's my biggest thing. Yeah. Because when we think about violence against trans women, they're they're being attacked by men. They have to in order for protection, in order for help, have to call policemen that happen to be men. Yeah. You have to go in to these medical examiners that happen to be men. You have to go into, if you make it to court, you have to go to court in front of a male juror, in front of, you know, a male judge, male bailiff, your lawyer's male. This is not their problem. Hmm. They have been actively fighting against it. Yeah. We as queer people have been actively fighting against the system and nothing has changed. It's not that it's something new. Hmm. So you're saying I, I'm just taking this and generalizing it in general generalizing it okay we're gonna move on um taking this like further it's like i think this i think corona is showing us that you know it's you know this is the first time you know people are widely talking about race but you know people have always talked about black black and brown queer people have always talked about these issues it's you i mean it's it's history and we have always talked about these issues nothing has been done but now that more people who who just aren't our voices now that they're talking about it things are being done but it's it's like these we we've already done the work i i I think what i'm saying we're tired Y'all need to do something about it because y'all don't want to listen. Somebody needs to be held accountable. Y'all don't want to listen to us. You, y'all need to listen to each other and fix it. And then I'm going to, you know, take my black gay ass over here and go do me. And you need to figure it out for yourself. I don't, I don't want, I don't, I can't do it no more. Yeah. Like there's nothing else that we have exhausted all avenues. Hmm. What else is there that you want me to do? This is above and beyond me at this point. What what are, there has to be, someone has to take accountability. Somebody has to say, oh, I did this. Oh, I helped perpetuate this. Oh, I saw something and didn't say anything. Those are the people that need to speak up. Because no one's they they didn't believe us in the first place. 
So me saying it now. What's that going to do? Hasn't changed anything. But if your friends. Yeah. Your, you know, your siblings. These people that you see in your inner circles. The people that you look up to. The people that you find comfort in. If you can get into those spaces and turn around and call those people out in those back rooms where we're not there. Yeah. In those conversations when people aren't there, when they're letting them true when they're letting their true selves shine bright, that's where you need these to conversations need to be had. That's where the change will start. Well, I think we're gonna be waiting for that for a little bit, girl. I mean, just being honest. People are not the, people are not willing to let go of their privilege. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> that's all it is. And actually and part of it is that they, they feel like it's a personal attack. It's not nobody's Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. not. It's not. Nobody it's not. said that nobody said that all of your accomplishments now equate to nothing. Nobody said yeah. that your hard work has been in vain. Nobody said that you never struggled. There just weren't handicaps added to your struggle. That's it. It did not affect you admitting your privilege. Doesn't take away the money in your pocket. It don't take the food off your table. So what's the problem? And then it's also like, you, I think a lot of people who have privilege don't want to be aware of it because then they'll know, like, they'll, they don't want to be aware of it because then they'll know, like, oh, this is happening because of this. This isn't, I feel like something will trigger, like, within them to say this is wrong, but then you know, because you don't want to give up that privilege, you'll just keep engaging in whatever mm-hmm. is happening. And maybe that's a sur- survival thing too, but I don't know. And it's just, I think it, it comes back to that, that fear, but it also comes back to the fact of the matter of like, nobody, we're not asking you to give up your space. Yeah, we're not even asking you to share space. We don't. We're yeah, asking you to respect our. Space. Yeah, we already got our own space. Feel. Yeah, we already got our own space. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just that simple. Yeah, I didn't ask you to change up your lifestyle. I I just want to be given respect in my space. To yeah. be given the opportunity to first off have my space without you trying to intrude in it trying to center the conversation about you, trying to, oh, woe with me. Uh, Okay. Okay. Brief tangent, but this is related to your story that you shared. Um, I remember I I was running um, in Montevallo. I was just out for a run and uh, just running like kind of like on the, you know that highway, that little road, the highway, I forgot what it's called, but I was running on, like, the pavement on the side of the road. And this car, like, drove, like, this car drove, like, behind me and stopped. And I had my earphones in, so I couldn't really hear. 
but it was a it was um a car of black folks and it was all women except for this one guy who was on the passenger side who was like yelling at like rolled the window down and was like yelling stuff at me and then they once he said it they all had laughed and drove away and I didn't really hear anything because I was running but I was like why did he do that what was the point of you taking the time out of your day to stop and I was wearing like these I was wearing like short running shorts Mm -hmm. um and I don't know I guess he thought like oh I I need to call this dude whatever he called me I don't know what he called me but I need to stop my time and just call this person out for wearing short running shorts or exactly. for like, like what I don't I don't get like yeah I don't know and I don't know why he did it for it seemed like he did it to impress the women too that's what that's what kind of like bothered me about it cuz I'm like why is that a way that you think you can oppress women i don't i don't get it it's just i just no, at the at the root of it it doesn't make actual factual sense yeah like yeah. one plus one is clearly not equaling equaling two in this instance yeah and I don't, that's, that's the scary part of it to me is that this, this privilege or when we're ever afforded any type of privilege is clearly built off of falsehood mm. and pseudoscience mm. hmm. and religion. <laughs> it, so, so like, mm. Mm. what are you holding on to? What is it that you're holding on to? Where did this notion come from? Because if we figure out where the notion comes from, we can dismantle it at the root. But see, the thing is, they have all the tools to do that. You, you, you have all the tools to do that. You just don't want to listen. You don't want to train yourself to listen. Exactly. We're in the information age. We're in the information age. We are in an information age. You have the ability to know better and do better. And I think that there's people that are ignorant, truthfully so, and there's people people that are willfully ignorant. Mm. And the people that are willfully ignorant are the most terrifying because those people are not just everyday people. Those are people that have high up positions in our society that know exactly what's going on in the world and are choosing to live by falsehood. Mm. There's no talking to that. Because yeah. when you have the ability to take facts and skew them to your own story yeah. and your own agenda, there's no talking to that. There's no open discussion to be had because you know you know what's going on. You just, you just rather not. You've made an active choice. Yeah, that is scary. To 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 try to engage with a person like that, uh, share space with a person like that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Because they there's no way to bring light to that situation. Yeah, and they won't ever see your humanity. They don't want to. And that's that's like what I mean by like white people saying and and taking the advantage to say nigga. Like (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That that's exactly that's that's a part of it. Like you know that that's not okay. You understand. It's very black and white. No pun intended. But there it is. You understand, you know, you just are deciding to do what you want to. Yeah. And they have, you know, and then there's the notion of not being like... I find it always so weird when people are afraid of people's reactions. If you have taken this offensive action, don't be afraid of the reaction. If you were bold enough to live in this truth, to be a part of this truth, to be a part of this truth, don't be boohoo crying when you caught on camera and you lose your job. (laughs) I don't care. You weren't boohoo crying before then. So get comfortable in that new uncomfortable lifestyle of yours because I've lived it. Boo-hoo. <laughs> okay. Um, I think we can end it there. I, I don't have anything else more to say. You've said it all. Um, okay, so I want to move on to the last part uh, segment of the show. A segment I like to call I'm So Done. And... This is where we talk about what annoyed us for the week. So, John Chris, what are you so done with this week? I I was watching, don't judge me, but <laughs> I have been watching um Bravo reality shows like the oh, Housewives franchise. I feel that. But then I discovered this show called Vanderpool Vanderpool Rules. I started that, yeah. <laughs> and how ironic is it to discover this show in the midst of it having a racial controversy. Oh. The, at least four of their cast members have been fired in the last week and one of them is in the process of being fired for things that they have said in the past, in the past not being too far away, some of them being, you know, old tweets and some of them being full-blown podcasts. The bravery. Oh, wow. And they are, at this point, finally being held accountable. And what I'm tired is, what I'm tired of is, when now people are holding people accountable for things that you've been knew about. Like, if you knew that this person was racist, and it's not an if, they've been inappropriate the entire time that they've been on the show and you finally decide to do something about it, that says more about you than it says about them. That means that and, you were okay and willing and complying to their ignorance. And were they... Did you they, gave them a platform. Did they just now do it now that, you know, everyone's discovering that racism is bad now? Yes. Okay. So this is a PR thing, then. That. It's a PR thing, then. If, 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 if this stuff wouldn't have happened... 
I don't. I think that whoever these people are would have still been on the show. Yes. Exactly. And like, it's just like, cause this isn't the first time, but like, it's everywhere now. You know, all over the entertainment industry, all up and down through the theater industry, people are boycotting Woolworths as we speak. The club downtown. Downtown, the club downtown Birmingham. Mm-hmm. They're actively boycotting it. But you've been new. You've been new. Like, the fact that they're canceled now, or the fact that the canceled parties are now, or the fact that people are putting out, you know, their diversity statements now. <clears throat> We've been there, done that. We have known about you, have been peeped into you. At this point, it's for me, it feels real too little too late. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you really want to show like progress, show progress. Do something retroactive, you know? Yeah. Give those platforms. I, I personally feel like there's a lot of races losing their jobs right now. And for every race that is fired, there should be a person of color feeling that position actively. Mm hmm. Yeah, because it really won't do anything if you're just, like, firing racist white people to hire, like, not obviously racist white people. I don't know, like... Exactly. Yeah. Where where do we find ourselves there? Yeah. What progress have we really made? Yeah. I guess they'll figure it out, you know? I, like, I think I'm just kind of, like, in in a... I'm kind of, like in the mind frame of just making fun of like everything because you know the they 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 i'm making fun of it because it's like y'all really don't want to fix this you 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 know how to like you i guess this goes into what i'm so done with um but you know how to raise money i don't know like you know how to raise all this money to cure this virus but you don't know how to um train police in a way to where they see black people not as threats you know what let me yeah i had a thought the other day about because because i once again i've been watching a lot of reality tv I think that's healthy, actually. How is it that there's a whole franchise security teams that can handle, you know, aggressive situations? These people are fighting. Yeah. Fist fighting, throwing shoot. Yeah. They're not dead. So why is it that there's reality TV show franchises that are better equipped to handle aggressive situations and quote unquote violent situations, yeah, than the police, <laughs> yeah, than the police. It it's this is your day job. It's just it's at this point it's very comical. I can I like I you know that Lady Gaga gift where she says I have to laugh. I just have to laugh. It's just at this point it's very comical to me that there are very easy solutions and no one wants to no one at at the higher in the higher up positions 
want to actually like create that change because I think I think they see that it involves that they would also have to change um, and they don't want to do that. Exactly. So at, at, on some level, it's it's selfishness. Concern that's and overall that's that's the thing that I find the biggest problem at the root of it all. It's just selfishness. Yeah, you are so concerned about yourself. You are. If we're being, if I could be morbid about it, we don't. We're not gonna live for forever. Yeah, and you already here. Yeah. So what more is is to life for you to gain? Yeah. And you can't take it with you, with you once you dead. All the houses, all these things that you have gathered and been accustomed to, all of the privilege that you have gathered and been accustomed to. Once you're gone, you're gone, and you can't take it with you. I think. So how about we take that concern and shoot it towards the future, the, I, the kids that we can't see yet? I think that's what drives their selfishness it's out of like fear that they know that the things that the privileges that they have could be taken from them at any moment either through death or through just uh, something like a pandemic like i i think it's a level of selfishness and then it's also fear both of which have nothing to do with me or, or at least on fixing it you know, that's a very exactly. indiv- individual that's thing. That's a personal issue. Yeah. yeah. But, like, from, from, like, a religious standpoint, for those of the individuals that hang on to privilege, for a religious standpoint, I'm concerned about y'all souls. Because <laughs> you're going to tell me that you are actively causing all this struggle and strife, and you think that somehow in the world that you are going to drop dead and, and wake up in heaven. <laughs> Girl, if you don't go sit down somewhere. Oh, gosh. I'm concerned for you. If, if out of anything else, I am concerned for your soul. Yeah. Because somebody's <laughs> going to have to answer to that, and it ain't going to be me. Yeah, exactly. Again, doesn't have anything to do with me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I I am also... What did you say you were done with? Just... I guess, I guess... Yeah. Too little, too late. Too little, too late. Okay. Yeah, I I think that is also something that I... Yeah, I share what you're done with because that was also something I was going to say. Like, just that, what we just talked about, and then just, like, this newfound, like, awakening that many white folks are having... Um, like, there, okay, look, look, there are many who have always talked about these issues, mm-hmm. but the ones that are, like, being very, very loud right now are the ones that have been silent. And so it's yeah. like, that's what sounds like guilt. Mm, that's what's annoying me because it's like, you're, you're wanting to displace your guilt or offset your guilt by asking me to engage with you in some kind of emotional labor or to sympath to empathize with you and you're making it all about you and you're not making it 
and it's like you're not making it about you out of like self-reflection you're making it out of like make me feel better for having privilege yes and yeah i just i I don't want to do that (laughs) i can't do it it's like it's 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 very draining to engage with I just, I wouldn't mind it if the change was from the core. If it was from a genuine spot. Yeah. It was like, oh, this has changed my, I have, my eyes are now open for the rest of my life and not for a couple of months or a couple of days. Yeah. 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 I would be fine with it. Yeah. But, but the the change doesn't seem genuine in some instances. And yeah, exactly. And some cases it doesn't seem because i'm not saying that there's there's obviously people that care that are down for it mm-hmm. that you know didn't know and now know and are now actively Act- a part of mm-hmm. using their privilege mm-hmm. to dismantle the system mm-hmm. those are the people that i'm talking about i'm talking about the people that are like oh this is kind of sucky isn't it <laughs> <laughs> You could have kept that. Like uh, you could have kept your little black square. You could have kept your little five Instagram story posts. Stop. You could have kept your five dollars that you decided to send just so you could put it on your story that they match me, girl. Oh my goodness. You said they're treating it like, oh, I guess it's an issue. Exactly. Oh gee, I never really noticed this before. I'm not going to get shady. No, d- please do. This is the part where you want to do it. <laughs> because, like, when, once again, if we come back to Montevallo, right? Ooh, okay. And we come to, back to this past college night. Oh, okay. Okay. Do, do, are you familiar with the past college night? I, uh, I see, I've seen the shows. Um, and I've had, I've, I've also had some thoughts about, it. I, I even talked, I, I was in the group chat talking about it. Um, I thought with, with a few of y'all, hey. um, yeah, yeah. Yes. I do remember that. W- but what about it? I, I find it, I don't think comical is the word, but peculiar <laughs> that that's what was on stage. And here we are, only a couple of months later, in radio silence. And I mean to call that out on both sides. Mm. Because even to, to you know, for for our side to be as, as loving and accepting as, as it is, uh-huh. there's still radio silence wow. in a lot of places. Wow. And like... On both sides, that's still, I'm offended either way. Because, you know, if we're talking about, if we're talking about purple side, right? And we're talking about this community and this, 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 we're, we're all supposed to be this hippy dippy love one another, you know, everybody say love, you know? But, when I need you out outside of this realm of college politics, where are you to be found? Where's everybody say love thing? 
where 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 is it? <clears throat> and that 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 right there feels like that's one of those oh I didn't know I'm I'm minor inconvenience at that moment. But for the other side to be like oh I'm gonna do my whole show about it, yeah. and then this happened and be quiet, uh. I feel like a punk. Exactly. So you didn't capitalize my you tried to capitalize off of my experience. And when it came time to live and be about that experience, you are nowhere to be found. Your black square didn't do much for me. I think we can end it there. (laughs) There it is. I mean, what more is there to say? There is no more to say. I, I and mean, I feel like yeah. later on in life, people are going to be up, upset with me by these statements. They're the truth. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be upset with the truth. Yeah. Because the truth is never going to change. And if you're upset with the truth, that again, that that's your problem. Says more about you than it says about me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, John Chris, thank you so much for for coming on and having multiple discussions with me um, <laughs> about it was a pleasure. Yeah, about our world. <laughs> um, you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Go Black Boy Go, and you can follow John Chris on where Where do you want to give the folks? Um, the Instagram, uh, John dot Chris dot War, and that's. Honestly, you can find me by that name on all social media platforms. Okay. Uh, Instagram, um, Facebook. I haven't gotten to the Twitters yet because I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, I miss the moment. And at this point, it's like, it happened. Yeah. I... I actually haven't been using Twitter that much because there's just too much shit going on, so... Um, I love Twitter as a news outlet. Yeah. That's what I use it for. Yeah. But like as an active like social media platform, I'm not actually on it. I'm no. one of those people that goes to Instagram and has people that like I follow people that take the time to screenshot that and put it on the Instagram page. Yeah, okay. Shout out to I those see. People. I see. Yeah, there are a lot of those accounts. <laughs> um yeah. Uh and you can listen to the podcast on iTunes. Well, uh, you can listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. And John Chris, thank you for coming on. Uh, uh, thank thank you. you for having me. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've been st- I've been stuttering this whole episode. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Black people are queer.